So good morning. Again, so glad you're here. It's hard to believe we're at the end of February. And there have been a lot of really unique and very special emphases in our culture during the month of February. And I pray that one of those for you has been this journey, this teaching series, Walk in Love. Now, the Bible has reminded us that love is demonstrated according to uh, us as followers of Jesus, following his example, imitating God as dearly loved children and walking in love as Christ has loved us. We are called to demonstrate his love. Uh, the scripture also defines love for you and for me. In 1 Corinthians 13, we saw as many as 10 examples of, of how we are to love well down in the, the micro details of our lives. And so now we come to part three, the conclusion of our series, Walking in Love. And, and I'd like to encourage you on, on a love that is truly determined from a love demonstrated and defined. Now we, we see from the pages of scripture how our love for others should be determined, not deterred and, and not discouraged, but determined. And from Romans chapter 12, I'd like to share with you seven principles of, of a love that, that is determined. You know, not long ago, the Gallup poll uh, cited the top three needs in our nation. And do you know what those top three needs were? And I find this interesting. Well, one, food and shelter. That makes sense. Two, a sense of purpose. And, and I understand that. But three, this, community. Uh, most of us see a significant need for community, meaning uh, meaningful relationships that allow us to belong to others. This represents a deep need for most of us, but sometimes our relationships are difficult to navigate. The Carnegie Institute of Technology has cited that 90% of people who fail in their life's vocation could not get along with others. And so there is a ample proof in our culture of a need to better uh, persist and to be determined in our relationships I believe this is the message of Romans chapter 12. When this chapter opens, we hear the familiar call to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. But as you read a little deeper into the chapter and we, we rediscover an emphasis on, on our spiritual callings and gifts here, we move to verse 9 where we begin to see how we are to flesh out our lives of sacrificial living. Throughout this chapter, there is the unifying theme of a child of God, a follower of Jesus, setting him or herself aside to love God and to love others completely. And so we are called to, as a living sacrifice. We are called as, as people who are, who are indwelled with God's presence and, and exercising his callings and gifts in us. We are called to love others well. A part of being a living sacrifice is that we are living set apart to God to love him first and foremost, and then to love others. And so uh, I encourage you to join me for just a moment in God's word, Romans 12, verse 9 through verse 21, uh, to discover these principles of a determined love. Now, verse 9 and verse 21 share a common theme. Verse 9, uh, let your love be without, without hypocrisy, meaning we have the tendency to love with a facade. There's the tendency in the human heart to give a fake presentation of love. And so the scripture begins with the blunt end of the application. Do not be hypocritical in your love. 
But abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. And then in verse 21, we're given basically the same message. Do not be overcome with evil, especially in your relationships, but overcome evil with with good, with with the love that that exists in our hearts because of what Christ has done for us. And so with these bookends of of instruction that leads us away from evil to that which is good, especially in our relationships, let's now look for those principles that helps us to love authentically, to be determined that our relationships will not fail, that we will not disregard the value of our relationships, but we will love well and we will have a love that is determined. So here are seven principles I'd like to give you for a determined uh, love. First is the principle of brotherly love. Now, obviously, when we read in verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, the the emphasis is not uh, specifically just for or exclusively for siblings who are male. No, there's something much deeper here. There is the spirit of brotherly love that becomes apparent in these words. The first principle of a determined love becomes expressed in this principle of brotherly love. Be devoted to one another. In brotherly love, Philadelphia is how you pronounce transliterally the Greek term. We we have that term in our in our own country to designate the city of brotherly love, the city of Philadelphia. Love each other with a brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. But but before we move to the second part of that that verse, there is another term here that we need to to really pay attention to. It's the word devoted. This comes from the word philostoige, which actually means the devotion that a family shares. So verse 10 gives us philostoigate, a family love, and Philadelphia, a brotherly love. And we are called to exhibit this brotherly love that resonates a family connection, indicating that through Jesus Christ, you and I are made one. We have been adopted. God is our father. And so as brothers and sisters, we have a connection that is Jesus. In 1 John 1 verse 7, we are called to walk in the light, as he is in the light, so that we can have fellowship one with another. We have a togetherness that exhibits a spirit of brotherly love or family devotion. So the first principle of a determined love becomes expressed in the spirit of brotherly love. Seeing one another as family, redeemed by Jesus, loved by God, made one through His Holy Spirit. And we need to see the value in one another. We need not look at any at, at one another with any less value than the value of the love of God that exists in the person in front of us. We need to have the spirit of brotherly love. Now here's the second principle. For a love that is determined. The principle of honor. Let's keep reading in, in verse 10. Be devoted to one another. Be, be devoted as family to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. And this represents more than just respecting another person or, or being cordial or polite toward another person. This involves placing great value on the other person. The, the very meaning of honor here indicates conferring value on another. We we remembered from our teaching series part two that that flip, uh, Philippians chapter two calls us to to consider the other person more important than ourselves. We we are called as followers of Jesus 
to place value on another person. Sadly, many of us love based on the criterion of the value that our culture places on another person. This is wrong and not the love that we should exhibit as Christians. We should ourselves place infinite value on the other and we should love in that spirit of honoring them. I love how the uh, Holman Christian Standard interprets this. Outdo one another with honor. This indicates that we should have much more honor for the other person than we would have for any part of our lives. In my office, there is a baseball with a signature from a member of the World Series team, uh, uh, the Washington Nationals. Now, this signature in this ball uh, has has some endearing uh, meaning Behind this ball. Now, my uh, youngest daughter, when she was younger, she would come in my uh, office and, and she was allowed to play with just about every trinket or, or item in my office. But, but when, when she would reach for that ball that had incredible value, I would, I would, I would be a bit more guarded. Why? Because based on the signature, I conferred value on that baseball. When you see another person that has been made in the image of God, you should see the signature of God. And especially if they're in the household of God, you should see the signature of Jesus Christ and confer value on them. And your love should match that value. This is the meaning of honor. And there's a second principle of determined love. Excuse me, a third principle of determined love. The principle of endurance. Let's continue reading. This time we're going to read verses 11 and 12. Uh, together. Uh, uh, we, we give preface to one another in honor. Uh, that's verse 10. Verse 11, not lagging behind in diligence. Well, the word there actually means slothful. Not being slow to treat the other person the way that they should be treated based on the value that God has placed on their lives. We shouldn't be slow. We shouldn't be slackers in loving others. At times, love is withheld because we're waiting to see what the other person might say or do that, that may or may not be meaningful for us. Scripture says, no, don't lag, don't be slothful, but be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, verse 12, rejoicing in hope and persevering in tribulation, being devoted in prayer. Well, every piece of this language resonates that which endures, that which is diligent. Do not be slow, slothful, but be patient in affliction. Let your prayers even re- represent this endurance as you pray for the well-being of others, as you seek to love others well. Never allow friction and adversity to diminish the value of the relationship, but endure and with diligence continue to love. This represents the principle of endurance. A fourth principle of determined love. Uh, is is found in verse 13. Verse 13 reads, uh, contributing to the needs of the saints and practicing hospitality. And so the, the fourth principle of determined love is the principle of hospitality. Now in our, in our present culture, hospitality seems to be limited to an understanding of, of hosting someone well at a party or at a dinner. Well, that's just a surface meaning of this term in the Greek. There's something much deeper. We've heard the term Philostoige, a love of family. Philadelphia, love for a brother. But here the term is philoexnos, which indicates a love for a stranger. Love for a stranger becomes the meaning of this word, hospitality. Now, in, in 
ancient days when Christians would travel, uh, finding suitable accommodation was very, very rare. And so Paul actually encouraged first century Christians to be ready at any moment to open up their house for other Christians, even if they did not know them. Be hospitable to those, especially in the, in the body of Christ, Paul would later write. And so this, this picture of hospitality represents an openness to welcome those who are in need, particularly those in the household of faith. And so our application is simple. We cannot close our hearts to one another. This happens so often when there is a friction, when there is a, a, a an offense, when there is resentment at times. We will still claim to be people of love and yet withhold love by not speaking or avoiding or disregarding kind acts that we could be sharing with another. The scripture reminds us to be hospitable. The spirit of hospitality, the principle of hospitality indicates that our hearts are open to all others so that we're not withholding love. This represents certainly a love that is determined. Now I take you to a, a fifth principle of determined love. And this is in verses 14 and 15. Now we're about to uh, approach verses that are going to be so converse and contrary to the spirit of our culture. And obviously all of these are, but probably none more intense than these truths we're about to read. Verse 14 of Romans chapter 12, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. When Jesus had said this so clearly uh, during the Sermon on the Mount, that we are to not just love those who are good to us, but to love our, our enemies. And Paul has written here, uh, bless those who curse you. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind. But let's pause here in verses 14 and 15. Uh, the, the principle of selflessness becomes our fifth principle of determined love. Notice the incredible presentation of selflessness in verses 14 and 15. Bless when you're persecuted. Selfishness would retaliate. Selflessness would bless. Bless when people curse you. Selfishness would get another word in. Selflessness blesses when cursed. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Selflessness can be just as celebratory at the goodness and blessings in another life, even as they would be in their own life. Rejoice with others when they rejoice and then weep when others weep. You know, this, this reminds me of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26. When one part of the body of Christ hurts, the entire body hurts. When one part rejoices, the entire part rejoices. Selflessness is at the core of togetherness. And, and oneness. And so these verses call us not to a retaliation or evening the score or, or only rejoicing when, when the good happens to us, only crying when the bad happens to us. The emphasis is of a selflessness and really embracing the other person. Uh, in the book titled Boys in the Boat, the story is told of working class rowers that took place in the rowing event in the 1939 Olympics in Berlin. The author describes how these blue-collar rowers defied all the Ivy League schools and went to Berlin and even defeated Hitler's rowers and, and did an amazing uh, amazing finish uh, in the Olympics. As I, as I peered into the story of that this book reveals, 
I found this quote that I want to share with you. One of the rowers described how they were so successful. Here is his description. When everyone is moving exactly together, you no longer feel like an individual. You feel a part of the boat and you feel a part of each other. This is how we won. This is how you always win. You have this loss of self that is so important. Well, I love that. Sounds a lot like Jesus' description of the church, does it not? We should have this loss of self so that the other person becomes just as important as we are to ourselves. This loss of self expresses a selflessness that becomes a powerful way that we practice a love that is determined to defy difficulties and to overcome obstacles. So I pray that in your life, there is a selflessness that you can see the other person as worthy of love, that you would move past simply saying what I think I deserve or how that person should be treating me. Move past that to a selflessness where you are giving love in a way that honors Jesus Christ. There's a sixth principle of determined love. Well, this is certainly the obvious one, is it not? Humility. Now for this, we, we look into verse 16. Verse 16 reads, be of the same mind toward one another. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Uh, have, have one thought. Be together in mind. The, the Greek word there for mind is phroneo. Have a oneness of your approach. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. The message here, another translation of the scripture capture this. The message is one of agreement. Find yourself in an agreeable spirit with others, not being a yes person, but truly trying to find ground upon which you can identify and connect with others. This represents humility, especially according to verse 16, because how should we find this agreement in this common ground of connecting? We should, we should not be haughty in mind. We should not think that if that person doesn't agree with me, I'm moving on. No, we should not be haughty. But what should we do? We should associate with a spirit of, of lowliness. We should associate with even someone that in our simple minds we think is lowly. We should, we should connect and our hearts should be open and we should humble ourselves before the person in front of us. That's a tall task. And I don't read this flippantly. I understand the challenge of this. But to love well, to love determined, indicates that we humble ourselves before those in front of us. And we treat them more important than ourselves. And we certainly love well as we become humble in their presence. And I would, I'd place a really important footnote here. <laughs> Be careful of recognizing your, your own humility. When you recognize your own humility, as a dear professor of mine has taught, um, you just lost it. <laughs> when you recognize it, it's gone. So do not strive to be seen as humble. Simply humble yourself before others and watch how that love can make an incredible difference. Now we come to the final principle of a determined love. The principle of self-sacrifice, verse 17 through 20. As I read these verses, you'll notice a theme of how we should love enemies. I cannot conceive of a better example of how to love self-sacrificially than to truly love our enemies, those who are against us. And so I'd like to give you three rules for loving your enemy, for, for sacrificing so that even those who are against you can feel loved. Here are three ways, three rules for loving your enemy. Rule number one, verse 17. And this, this is what we, we read. Never pay back evil 
for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. So rule number one in loving your enemy, stay morally correct. Let no one have an argument against you. Keep your way pure. This becomes the exhortation of this entire uh, passage. Do not let evil into your expressions of, of relational love, but avoid what is evil so that no one has a cause against you. That's the first step of loving your enemy. Stay morally direct and morally pure and morally right. And, and do not do not become uh, disobedient to the Lord in your attitude toward that person. But stay correct so that you'll not lose an opportunity to influence. Uh, that's rule number one. Uh, rule number two, uh, listen to uh, verse 18. If possible, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take revenge yourself. Second rule is this, seek peace. As much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Seek peace. I love Proverbs 15.1. Soft answer turns away wrath. As you face your enemy, rule number two, be peaceful. Don't be vengeful, which is rule number three. Rule number three, do not seek revenge. Proverbs teaches us that revenge belongs to God. He will be your vindication. He'll be your advocate. Let him handle what you might sense is the proper retribution. Give that to the Lord and you do not take revenge or vengeance into your own hands. That's rule number three. And then rule number four. Oh, this is going to pinch a bit. Serve your enemy. Whomever your enemy may be, serve them. Do you hear this in verse 20? But if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he's thirsty, give him drink. And so doing, you heap burning coals on his head. That represents a sign of repentance. You will bring him to a, a good place likely. If you serve your enemy, you possibly uh, can can uh, allow their hearts to be opened as you as you serve. So the fourth rule of loving your enemy is to is to serve your enemy. This is such a a strong calling, and this uh, this represents how we love self sacrificially. There are many other examples. I'm sure that you've recounted many people in your life who sacrificed well. Uh, to love you. And maybe you've practiced that with spouse and children and co-workers and friends. But one powerful, I would probably say, according to the words of Jesus, the highest way that we can love purely and self-sacrificially. Love your enemy. Those who have a disregard for you, love them well. Uh, work toward forgiveness. And when that forgiveness is achieved deep in your heart, continue to serve, continue to love. And these are verses that help us to do that. But serve your enemy. Serve them well. Love them. Pray for them. Don't accept influence that's negative, but love as Christ's love and let your love be self-sacrificial. I'd like to share with you the story of Steve McDonald. Steve McDonald is a police officer who was patrolling in Central Park. He went to question three teenagers uh, over a theft, a, a petty theft. And as he questioned them, uh, Steve McDonald was shot. He was shot three times, once in the head, once in the neck, once in the arm. He was paralyzed from the neck down. Before his death in 2017, after being asked, he explained why he forgave his shooter. And this is his explanation. Looking back, pondering my life since that time, it's clear to me that God was in charge. All he wanted was the opportunity to use me. He just needed my yes. God spoke to me and said, will you love this boy who shot you? And the best way that I could love him was to forgive him. Left to my own abilities, I don't think I would have done it. So I said yes to God. 
I follow the example of his son, Jesus Christ, and I love and I forgave. Uh, this morning, as we come to a close of this time of worship, I just want to ask you who there might be in your path that truly needs to know your love. I know that sometimes loving in difficult situations is an overwhelming prospect and an unthinkable challenge. But who is there who has maybe even left a destructive wake in your own life? Yet, God may have been placed there to know your love, your forgiveness, to know, to know your grace and your mercy. There's no room for vengeance. And there's no room for retaliation or cutting back. Uh, there's no room for trying to get in the last word or having your own agenda superimposed on the life of another. There's no room for dismissing opportunities to love simply because of your own personal uh, priorities and, and, and emotions. No, we are called to love. And we are called to love well. And loving according to how Christ loved us is not easy. Sometimes it's rejoice, rejoicing and, and sometimes it's, it's celebrating and other times to love is, is, is just a, co a complete challenge. But I encourage you to love well. These three uh, teaching sessions in the Walking in Love series has opened our eyes and hearts to some very familiar truths, but truths that are practical on how we demonstrate love as Christ has loved us and how we, how we define love by knowing that love is patient and kind and does not take into account a wrong done and love is pure and, and, and love, love honors truth and, and love says no to evil. And, and on and on we see how the scripture reminds us of true love. And then we turn to Romans 12 and we hear these callings to be determined in our love, to have a brotherly love. And, and all of these other incredible examples we've seen from this passage. But I, I want to leave this thought with you from uh, from the life of Steve McDonald, the police officer who who forgave uh, his assailant, uh, the one who shot him and paralyzed him. And his comment, as you recall, is this. I, I knew I had to say yes to God. I said yes, and I loved, and I forgave. Let's say yes to God, and let's love, and let's forgive, and let's knock down walls, and let's, let's put aside um, compartments and and let's say no to hypocritical love and, and prejudicial love. And let's love as Christ loves. And let's say yes to God. And let's love and let's forgive. I'd like to pray with you. Father in heaven, thank you for teaching us in this, in this series. Thank you, Father, for a, a fresh reminder of a simple truth to walk in love. Father, I pray for that person who is struggling right now. Maybe they've heard a, a word from you and... And the challenge to love just seems so big. Maybe they're thinking of a person that they would, they would never imagine loving again. And yet you're calling them to love that person. I pray you would quicken all of our hearts to love and to love well. Father, there have been many who, who have listened to this teaching series who've been hurt by others. Father, may they, not, may they not ignore that hurt. May they seek help and may they seek you for the healing that needs to come to that hurt. But Father, may there be no reason while we would withhold love. But may our goal be, may our, may our calling be to walk in love, to love others well, so that you can be seen perfectly in our lives. God, help us say yes to you. Help us to love and help us to forgive. We pray this in Jesus' name. And together we said, 
Amen. There's a contact right here on the screen. Reach out. If you need to know more about what it means to know Jesus, to trust Him as your Lord and Savior, reach out. We're ready to talk with you. If you're struggling in relationships, and I really mean this, reach out to us. We want to help you. We want to encourage you to navigate, according to Scripture, through loving others and loving others well. Hey, and I will I will practice and I will preach it. I love you very much. Thank you for being a part of this online worship service. I'm excited about the next teaching series. We're going to go through a teaching series from the scripture that will help us to know the difference between serving God with our head and serving him with our heart. I think you'll be encouraged with this series, Head and Heart, coming coming next week. Thank you so much for being a part of this teaching series. Again, love you a lot. See you soon. God bless.